talk a lot about corporate culture and culture this and our culture is that and it's great but a culture may just be a place you feel like you're part of i prefer the word community because a community mm -hmm. is a place where you feel you belong and i don't care what industry we're in i don't care what level we are but if we don't understand that we're in the feelings business so for me leading not managing most of us grew up in business school learning how to manage we manage people we manage projects we manage budgets we manage timelines manage 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 well yeah you have to do that but today people are looking for leaders And welcome to the Mind Your Leadership podcast. In today's episode, I'm thrilled to have Mark Mears, a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and visionary business leader. With a remarkable track record in world-class brands like PepsiCo, McDonald's, and NBC Universal, Mark is the founder and chief growth officer of Leaf Growth Ventures inspiring individuals and organizations to reach their true growth potential. Join us as Mark shares insights from his new book, The Proposal Growth Revolution, Four Ways to Grow from Leader to Legacy Builder, and explores the transformative power of purpose in business. In this episode, we will explore the key concept of focusing on overcoming obstacles related to fear, uncertainty, doubt, and delay while also seeking practical advice. So stay with us. So Mark, thank you for joining. I'm looking forward to our conversation. My pleasure, Karen, thank you. And I wanted to ask you if you can share with us um, highest or lowest point of your life or career path, and what have you learned from it? Yeah, ironically, the two are intertwined the highest and the lowest point. So I was serving as the president of a half a billion dollar casual dining restaurant chain uh, in Southern California. And I was recruited uh, from the Cheesecake Factory where I served as senior VP and chief marketing officer. Then the goal was very simple. Uh, turn the brand around, it's down double digit negative in sales. Um, you know, put a new brand positioning out there that is more contemporary and more attractive. And then also put a new concept out there that the parent company, which was publicly traded, could put capital behind for growth. And uh, it was a big challenge. And uh, I accepted it. And I built a team and we built a plan to turn the brand around. Um, within a couple of years, we were not double-digit negative in sales, we were positive. We had put a new brand positioning um, in the marketplace that was very attractive and very contemporary and very much on brand. And we put a new concept in the ground and that also was very successful in achieving our return on invested capital goal. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, it was so successful that it was um, beating our pro forma by over a year. So we felt like we had done what we were asked to do, earned the right to capital for, 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 for future growth. And um, uh, I got a call one day and um, 
the executive assistant of the CEO said he wanted to meet with me. And I thought, well, what's this all about? And it was, well, boards decided to move in a different direction. We're going to put the brand up for sale. But don't worry, you're going to lead the process. And I'm sure whoever buys you will keep you and your team because you've done such a wonderful job. So that process was six to eight months in length, very grueling. Um, but also we thought, you know, this was probably a good thing because we'll probably finally have a parent company that really believes in us and will put the capital behind us that they promised. So we went through that process. We found a strategic play uh, that's better than a private equity firm uh, because they really believed in the concept and they had other restaurants in their portfolios. So they understood us. And so the deal closed on a Friday. We're drinking champagne over the weekend. And on Monday morning at eight o'clock, uh, I'm called into the conference room where I'm supposed to meet the CEO and talk about our new future together. At 8.05, I'm out the door. And it was only 8.05 wow. and not 8.01 because it took me four minutes to get my jaw off the floor. So I'm packing up, driving home. Wow. Like, so that just happened. And this was February 21st, and I want to say 2013, so just about 10 years ago. And it's the sign when, you know, first sign of spring starts to emerge in Southern California. Not everywhere, for sure, but Southern California. So the next morning, after a fitful night of sleep, I took the dog out back, and I, you know, had a fig tree back there that was barren from the five or six weeks of winter we do get. But Karen, as God is my witness, there, um, as the sun was coming up over the wall in our backyard, it shone on that fig tree. And on one branch, there was this tiny little green sprig of a leaf just starting to bud. And it was in that moment, I got this epiphany that a leaf is a symbol of growth and rebirth. And so I took the dog inside and went into my office and I started banging out a treatment on my computer for this idea that leaf is a symbol of growth and rebirth. But then I, as I got to thinking about it, I also realized that I led with this idea of the rule of threes. If you focus on three things, you'll get everybody aligned and you'll be more successful. And my three things were leadership, engagement, and accountability. We need strong leadership to turn this brand around. We need everybody engaged with their head, their heart, their hands, and their habits and we need to hold everybody accountable for results. And we were doing all those things and still the rug got pulled out from underneath all of us. And it wasn't just me, my whole team got let go within the, the next few weeks. So what I learned at that point was we weren't having any fun. It wasn't very fulfilling. And so now the symbol of growth and rebirth, this metaphor of a leaf turned into an acronym, which stands for LEAF, leadership, engagement, accountability, and fulfillment. So think of it as a four-circle Venn diagram, all revolving around purposeful growth. That fig tree in my backyard only knows how to be a fig tree, and that's its purpose. And it needs to grow mm -hmm. up into its purpose and bear fig leaves that will provide fig fruit that will help that plant grow strong and tall and aligned. And so... In that moment, in my darkest hour, literally, they say it's darkest before the dawn, and then that sun came over the wall, 
hit that fig tree and gave me this epiphany that now serves as my purpose for the back half of my life and career. And it started this idea of writing this book called The Purposeful Growth Revolution, Four Ways to Grow from Leader to Legacy Builder. Mm -hmm. Wow, what a story. I love it. Mm -hmm. So you said it was like unexpected, right? The situation because you were expecting to continue and evolve with this company and then they cut you off. Yeah. And then it's interesting, instead of getting into the victimized mindset, you were able to see the space that created and to see like the sign that yeah. Gave you the epiphany. That is amazing that you had the this kind of mindset. You understand what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, and I love, you know, the title of your podcast about mindset. And I'm sure you, uh, being an expert in this area, probably have heard of Carol Dweck and her book, Mindset. Um, Stanford professor. And she says, basically, there's two kinds of mindsets. There's a growth mindset and there's a fixed mindset. And those with a fixed mindset tend to do the same things over and just try to do them a little bit better. Those with a growth mindset try to learn new things and grow in new and unexpected ways. And so I've always tried to have a growth mindset. And there are certainly areas where I'm sure I fall in the fixed category. Like, even though uh, <laughs> as try as I might to stay up with uh, digital trends, I'm, I'm just not a tech person. That's not how I'm wired, but I still want to learn about it. And I still want to grow and learn about artificial intelligence and other ways to commute uh, or to communicate, I should say, in a uh, digital way. It could be commuting. Who knows um, the way things are working with, um, you know, uh, drones and, you know, yeah. AI powered vehicles and things of that nature. We, we, we could find ourselves in a whole new world of transportation. But the point is, how to grow in a purposeful way. Because we could just mm-hmm. grow and just learn and, and, and be like a weed and all over the place, or like that fig tree, we could understand what is our purpose and how do we grow up into it? And how do we demonstrate a growth mindset throughout the process? Knowing that like a plant that's exposed to the elements of weather, um, you know, you cut open a tree at the end of its life, you'll see its rings and you'll see that they're different shapes and maybe different mm-hmm. colors um, because of what that environment, that that various seasons of life we go through does to impact the growth of the tree. But if we're planted with our roots strong, we'll grow and weather the storms and, you know, bear those fig leaves and bear that fig fruit that will then in that fig fruit have seeds that can be scattered to help others along their growth journey. So, you know, it comes to my mind a question. So how do we create this strong roots within ourselves as leaders and as individuals? What's the component that are important in order to strengthen our roots? Yes. Well, in in the LEAF growth model of leadership, engagement, accountability, and fulfillment. Leadership starts with the seed and roots. And for me, it breaks down to four key categories. Clarity, clarity around your purpose, your vision, your mission, your values. Connection, Mm -hmm. connecting them to your business priorities, how you make money. Otherwise, they're just a, a, 
a series of empty platitudes that people salute on the wall if it's a poster or a card you keep in your uh, desk drawer. But if you're connecting them to your business priorities, now you're making them come to life. And then you got to communicate them up and down, you know, sideways. uh, What I like to say is from the boardroom to the break room, making sure that everybody understands what we stand for and how it's connected to our business priorities. And once we've communicated it, we need to inspire people to commit. So the commitment is the fourth C in that model. And the goal of that leadership, those seeds and roots, just like the goal is for a plant or a tree, is alignment. We've got to get everybody on board. And I liken it to a rowing team. I've had the chance to go to the Olympics when they were in Atlanta back in 1996. And we actually stayed on a houseboat on Lake Lanier where the rowing events were taking place. And so we had a chance to see uh, some rowing competitions where these hulking individuals got in these tiny little skulls. But even though they were different shapes and sizes, they have a coxswain who provides the cadence of when to row. And so when you see all those oars in the water rowing at the same time, then you see the skull, the boat going swiftly through the channel. And it's not always the biggest and the strongest that win. It's the ones that were most aligned and in sync. It's called, I found out later by a a woman who was on a rowing team in college, it's called swing. It actually is when Mm -hmm. the boats almost lifted up out of the water because of the oars. And so alignment is so important, but it has to come as a result of a process. And that leadership process is making sure everyone is clear on who we are, what we stand for, and we've connected it to our business priorities so it's embedded in our plans of how we make our, 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 our profit. And then we've communicated it from the break room or from boardroom to the break room. And sometimes it's better coming from the break room to the boardroom. Um, and then finally, we've gotten all oars in the water. Everyone is committed to the plan. And that's how we succeed. I love it. And you say you talk about communication and alignment. And I think part of the process is to also dare to be in the uncertain, to be in conflict, right? To create new solutions to emerge. Otherwise, like everything is going well, but nothing is going well because we don't touch upon uh, conflicts and disagreements yes. and then it can't be in alignment. So I think it's a crucial element to be able to embrace the uncertainty, to, to really adopt growth mindset and to listen to different perspectives and not to be attached only to our ideas, but to open our space. And, you know, I want to take it to, um, specifically to delve into uh, the chapter that you wrote in your book, Get the Fud Out. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share with our listeners the key elements of fear? You talked about fear, uncertainty, doubt, and delay that you highlight in the chapter and how they can impact our growth potential. Because I think dealing as leaders nowadays with uh, uncertainty, with challenging times, with the fear, I think it's a crucial yeah. element to growth. Yeah, you're, you're um, spot on, <clears throat> Karen, because, you know, all of us go through FUD at various stages of our lives and careers. And it starts with fear, you know, the fear of the unknown or the fear of what if I fail or what will they think if I try something new? And sometimes we hear those, you know, those you know, fearful voices in the back of our head and like wet cement, we allow them to harden. 
And then uncertainty is this notion of kind of a risk reward factor of uncertainty over a future state. And um, am I better off staying in a kind of cozy but unsatisfying status quo or risking uh, to maybe pursue a calling that I feel deeply moved by? And, you know, um, there's a great quote by a gal named Gina Milicic who says, a comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there. And I think that's very, very perfect. We, we, we like comfort. We don't like change. And so then we go from uncertainty to doubt. And then we start to doubt ourselves. We start to compare ourselves to others and think about, you know, our self-limiting you know, limiting beliefs of, am I really all that? And am I ready for this? And isn't success for other people? And it leads to, um, you know, sometimes self-sabotage where we, we fear success instead of failure because we have these doubts that maybe we're not worthy. And then all of that leads to delay. I mean, after all that fear and uncertainty and doubt, who wants to take an action? We, we just want to give ourselves a shot of dopamine and kind of feel good in the moment and put it aside, sweep it under a rug, and uh, we'll get back to it at some other point. So it, it causes stagnation. Uh, it causes us to uh, limit our growth potential. And, and it really, if you think about it, it causes us to kind of, I don't know, um, not give to others the gifts that we've been given because we were too afraid to put ourselves out there. We were too uncertain about the future of what it might be if, if we weren't successful. We were doubtful that we could make an impact, and so we didn't take any action. We delayed. So FUD is very real, and it's very real in business. You think about business decisions of being fearful if you are a publicly traded company and what will happen if it doesn't work. Um, the uncertainty of if it doesn't work, uh, what's that going to mean for your career? Or the doubts that you may have because we tried this before and it didn't work, and so we're fearful and uncertain about trying it a new way. And then it leads to delay. And you know what happens when you delay? Your competition isn't. They're continuing to move forward. So those are the elements of FUD. And I'm happy to report, Karen, that I have the antidote to FUD. If you want to hear it. Yes. And what is it? Faith can overcome fear. Mm -hmm. Faith in yourself, maybe faith in a higher power, maybe faith in your teammates, maybe faith in your business model can overcome the fear. And hope can overcome uncertainty. They say hope is not a strategy. Well, no, hope by itself is not. But if you aren't hopeful, then you're probably hopeless, and that's not a good place to be. But if you have hope in a future that everyone is aligned behind, then you can overcome the uncertainty. And then belief overcomes doubt. Believing that you can do it, believing that you have the resources necessary to achieve your richly imagined future can overcome those doubts. And then action indeed purposeful action can overcome the paralysis of delay. You got to keep moving forward. You can't just sit back and hope some lightning strikes and everything's going to be okay. 
you've got to take purposeful action. And I say purposeful action because you could just take action and be like a chicken with your head cut off, running around, just doing stuff. But if you're um, purposeful and you're taking action, then you're growing up into your purpose, whether as an individual or a leader of a company. So, you know, I'm thinking about our listeners and say, okay, that's really nice, you know, to understand that you're fearful and you don't like uncertainty. But, you know, when we are really fearful, sometimes we're in stagnation. As you said, we we can be in a freeze mode and not Mm -hmm. move. So what are your uh, tips and tools that you can give our listeners in order to understand, first of all, that they are in this fearful state of mind and they don't take risks and they're actually in stagnation and apparently they feel it in the body, but maybe they are not aware of it. And what is the one or two steps that they, even the baby steps that they can yes. do in order to take themselves out of this place? Well, it, it, and I'm glad you said that um, last sentence about baby steps, Karen, because that's what it is. You, you can't leap yeah. your way out of fear. You, you can't. And, and you have no idea the FUD I went through in writing this book. I went from a, you know, C-level executive um, and with some pretty big brands, some of you named and some you didn't. Um, and, and I was like, but I feel called to give back in, 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 you know, help others along their growth journey by packaging the experiences, the observations, the research all of it that, that I, I pulled together based on that epiphany that came to me. And I, I felt like I had to do this. So now I have to figure out how I'm going to do it. I didn't just go write the book and get it published. I had to start by outlining it and, and, and say, what am I trying to accomplish? Who am I trying to reach? What are my ultimate goals? And then what steps do I have to take today? Today. I can't, I can't uh, redo what did or didn't happen yesterday, but I have control over what I can do today. What resources do I need? Um, do, do I need to reach out to somebody? Do I need to network with somebody? Do I need to um, buy some sort of online help program or watch a YouTube? Whatever it is, there are actions you can take today. And then those actions start to build on one another day after day after day. And all of a sudden, it's like working out. You're building muscle memory and you're getting stronger and you're getting more um, faithful in your vision and you're getting Mm -hmm. a stronger, deeper sense of hope in the outcome. And you're creating not self-limiting beliefs, but beliefs that say, I can do this and I will do this. And that leads you to take more and more purposeful action. But it's like they say, begin with the end in mind. You have to have such a powerful, purposeful vision for what you want to do that nothing and nobody is going to stop you from achieving your purpose. Because that's what God put you on this earth to do. And the resources are there. I'm convinced that we see story after story of entrepreneurs who started with nothing and built businesses based on a vision they had. And they didn't do it by by just running out and, you know, getting a loan uh, and starting, they did it by putting together a plan and taking actions, purposeful actions toward the next step, the next step, and the next step. And it, it works. 
I'm, I'm proof positive that I will tell you, Karen, that when that book arrived at my doorstep for me to do a final proof and it came fully bound and as if it were something that was going to go out into the world, I felt this sense of fulfillment that I'd never felt before in my life. I can do hard things and I did it and I'm still learning to do hard things and your listeners can too. Amazing. So I, it, it resonates with me because I also launched my book one year ago so I can hmm. connect to this you know, yes. feeling of, wow, satisfaction and uh, really fulfillment. You know, I want to circle back to a few things that you said. First of all, as you said, we need to be courageous. And I think this baby steps create this movement and then the path unfolds, right? And then we, we understand and have clarity what is our next step, but we need to move and yes. be in it from a mindful place, not in automatic, only not to listen to ourselves. And you know, when we, you spoke at the beginning, what, what came to my mind is that I read a, an article about a, of Dr. Christian Neff about self-compassion. Yes. And she actually differentiated between self-compassion uh, and self-esteem. And I really loved it because she said self-compassion, we are looking versus ourselves. We want to grow and evolve and be better version of ourselves versus the self-esteem that we are in a competition with others. We're looking on outside events, on outside on other people, and we want we define our self-esteem regarding to others and other or to our success. So I think part of being uh, nourishing the growth mindset is also we need to nourish compassion and self-compassion toward ourselves and to to be okay with making mistakes because we will make mistakes as leaders, as entrepreneurs, yes. as individuals. Otherwise, we won't grow and learn, right? So we need, I think it goes together, the growth mindset, and I can talk about myself. I nourish this growth mindset alongside nourishing my ability to be compassionate out with myself because at the beginning, if I made a mistake, I would cut my head off. I wouldn't stop <laughs> blaming myself and being harsh on myself. So I think yeah. it's really important. What do you think about it? Oh, man, I, that resonates with me uh, very deeply because I have always been a type A plus personality, serial achiever, um, goal oriented person. And when you do something new, you know, it, it, you can't expect that level of perfection and, and you shouldn't expect it anyway. It's not healthy. Um, I can I can vouch for that. Uh, it causes stress and stress causes anxiety and anxiety can cause all sorts of health problems. Um, but, but also it can cause you not to move forward. You can, you can literally be paralyzed. And there have been times in my life and career where I literally felt paralyzed. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even type on the keyboard. And, and so that is not the way to do it. And, and what I was um, realizing was it wasn't coming from any outside source. It was coming from myself. You know, I was beating myself up. I was um, questioning, uh, you know, whether I should be doing this and, and putting negative self-limiting doubts in my own head. And when I realized that I needed to sometimes just take a break and give myself a break and identify what I was feeling and then um, work around uh, you know, the, those feelings, and, and I don't mean work around them, like skip them, work through them is what I should say. 
and and then say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna step back from this right now. I'm gonna recompose. I'm gonna realign and recenter, and then come back at it with a fresh, more positive mindset. And then all of a sudden you do that. And like I said, like working out, you're building muscle memory of how can I overcome these moments where I've, I'm in, in one moment, I'm thinking to myself, you know, oh, Mark, you, you really blew this. Or, you know, you didn't say this right, or you didn't write that exactly right to, you know what? It's okay. No one died on this account. You know, you, you're still, you're, you're still you, you're still on the right track. Give yourself some grace and let's come back at it fresh. And with a different, a different perspective, a more positive can-do mindset, and um, just know that you're loved. And I think that's so important because so often, you know, where, whether it's childhood or whether it's early in career or whether it's uh, even recently, you know, when, when we feel less than, we tend to um, amplify those feelings on ourselves and just make it worse. And so we have to step back and realize we're loved, right? And it's important to understand that because when you feel loved, then you feel worthy. And when you feel worthy, you feel better about yourself and you can be more empathetic to others and not just yourself, but also to others. So I try to look at people through a lens of love. And I've actually created a model um, because one of my goals Karen is to put the human back in human resources. So taking us back to work, it's when we we feel we belong, we, we, we've made great strides and we need to even make better ones in the idea of creating diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? But diversity just gets us in the door. Equity gives us an equal voice. Inclusion gets us a seat at the table. And all those are really, really positive. But if we don't feel like we belong, then we're likely not to feel vulnerable enough to give of our very best. Belonging is so important. And I'll use another word that I think is really, really strong. We talk a lot about corporate culture and culture this and our culture is that, and it's great, but a culture may just be a place you feel like you're part of. I prefer the word community because a community mm -hmm. is a place where you feel you belong. And I don't care what industry we're in. I don't care what level we are. But if we don't understand that we're in the feelings business, you think about uh, our you know, four stakeholders, our team members, our customers, our business partners, and our communities. Those are the four stakeholders. And like that four circle Venn diagram I would describe earlier, they're all intertwined and revolving around purposeful growth. So for me, leading, not managing, most of us grew up in business school learning how to manage. We manage people, mm -hmm. we manage projects, we manage budgets, we manage timelines, manage, manage, manage. Well, yeah, you have to do that. But today, people are looking for leaders. And I'll take it a step further and say they're looking for legacy builders. Because mm -hmm. leading, I never allowed anyone to call me a boss. I hate that word. I say, if you want to call me something, call me a leader, because that is a title that's earned every single day. So leading today, after the impacts of COVID created a new world of work where we see quiet quitting and lack of engagement, 
and, and, and hybrid workplaces where, you know, people are working remotely and managers can't be over their shoulder. Well, we've got to lead differently. And for me, the, the, the new wave of leadership is about creating community. Because if you can create a community within your team or your organization and people feel they belong, then they're going to feel vulnerable to give them their very best. They're going to come up with an idea that may sound wacky and not feel like someone's going to use it as a boomerang back at them if it doesn't work or if it sounds wacky and they don't, they don't do something with it, right? But that, that's where you're going to get people more engaged. They're going to be more productive. They're going to have a stake of ownership in the outcome. And they're not going to want to quietly quit or they're not going to want to leave that organization and go fly somewhere else. They're going to want to stay in that. And to me, that's what we're all about. We're all about as leaders creating community where people feel they belong. I couldn't agree more with you. I really believe at the end of the day, I love that you use the word love because, you know, it's like doesn't resonate in the business world, but I really believe that love the deeper motivation of humanity and yes. we're all human beings and we are searching for meaning in our day to day and for connection and for deeper connection. And I really believe once we are connected deeper to our colleagues, we can achieve much more and also enjoy the way and also create much more creative and innovative things because we will dare to show up. Right. And people won't leave the job because the manager will understand what motivates them and will craft him a new a tailor, a new job. Yes or job description or project. So it's really been tuned present with our humanity, with each other, and to create the space for really new things to emerge. Otherwise, we kind of live in more of the same. Like there's the saying goes, everybody dies at the end, but not everybody lives. And I really wow. believe that the companies that will create and be innovative, they are living, they are taking risks. As you said, they are, yes. they are able to be in the answer and they're able to create space for something new to emerge, right? Yes. No, I, I love that, uh, what you just said, and it, 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 it dovetails perfectly behind uh, this model that I've developed around love. So it's not just kind of conceptual. Let me break it down to be real practical for leaders to employ with their team members. Notice I say leaders, not bosses. Notice I say team members, not employees or workers or staffers, or God forbid, uh, FTEs, but team members. And if you think about, you know, those of us who grew up playing, you know, sports as a kid, how we felt when we were called on and we made the team and maybe we were given a uniform and a number and a position. And so that feeling of belonging and that sense of duty to the other team member um, around you and the whole team and, and the organization is so important. So putting together the notion of love as it relates to your team member, it breaks down as an acronym, which stands for listen, observe, value, and empower. Listen. Nice. Listen to them what, what they're saying, but also what they're not saying. You know, in a workplace, we share what we think we should share. And we maybe don't share the fact that, hey, um, I'm going through a relationship issue or um, I've got a sick kid that needs surgery or uh, there's war in our area or there's, um, you know, uh, an elderly parent that I'm caring for. I mean, we're whole people. 
right? We have to be comfortable bringing our whole self into the workplace so that we can give of our very best. So as a leader, you need to not just listen, but you have to ask good questions and you have to develop really good active listening skills. And goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We all need to feel seen and heard, right? So if I feel my leader is listening to me and I feel comfortable sharing, now I'm building a relationship. It's not a transaction. It's a relationship. And then I want to observe the team member. I want to provide coaching and encouragement in real time. Don't wait for the annual performance appraisal that nobody likes, nobody does well. Um, but, but in real time, provide coaching and encouragement by observing them and then value them. Again, value that whole person. Recognition and reward is great, but are there opportunities in demonstrating value over and above the salary by giving them growth opportunities and then empower them, empower them to achieve them? And I don't know about you, Karen, but when I learned to ride a bike, we started with a trike or big wheel, and then we got a bike and we were so proud, but it had training wheels. And so we got used to riding a bike on training wheels so it would keep us upright and we could learn the habits that you need to be able to do uh, to ride the bike after the training wheels come off. Well, then the big day emerges. The training wheels come off and mom or dad or brother or sister pushes you down the sidewalk. And now you're maybe pedaling by yourself right. and then maybe you fall down, but you get back up. But the moment you're able to balance and pedal, that sense of freedom that we all felt mm -hmm. when we learned to ride a bike, imagine your team members feeling that as you're empowering them to be their very best and freeing them to give of their very best. So by putting love in the workplace in the practical way, by listening, observing, valuing, and empowering creates a bond a relationship that goes beyond a transaction or a paycheck. And again, who would want to quietly quit that? Who would want to leave that environment? So managers need to learn how to be leaders in today's new world of work. And I say become legacy builders because when you're creating a living legacy, not waiting till you're dead and bequeathing something of value, but you're adding value every single day, to your team and your company and, and your four stakeholders, then that is how you leave a legacy of excellence behind. Because you know what's going to happen? Those people you're leading are going to want to do that too. And then exponentially, it's mm -hmm. like a pebble in a pond. All of a sudden, you're creating a ripple effect. And now you're changing not just a culture, but you're changing a community. And you're making people mm -hmm. feel like they belong and you're giving them a path forward to be their very best, and they're going to want to do likewise. It's called the law of reciprocity, right? People want but to I'm curious, do when something you say better. Living a legacy, sorry, when you say living a legacy, what do you mean? What do you mean? Can you give me a practical example? What does it mean to live a legacy? I know what is legacy, but yeah. I'm trying to... Well, again, most people define legacy as something you bequeath after you're dead, and a living legacy says, yeah. while I'm alive, what can I do? So I call it mm -hmm. paying it backward. Now... I'm a huge growth junkie, but I also am a coffee junkie. Um, I, I love Starbucks. And so when I go through the drive through I will pay for the car behind me. And I will tell the person at the window, I'll say, just tell them, God bless you, your debt has been paid. 
And then I'll drive off and I'll say a silent prayer for that person. Now, they don't know me. I don't know them. I don't know what they're going through that day. But what I do have to believe is that they felt blessed in that moment that someone took time out to pay for their cup or two of coffee and give them a blessing. And then I believe, and I've heard it's true, that that creates a chain reaction of cars, right? So that simple, not random, but intentional act of kindness can then have a living legacy by paying it backward for the car behind them. And people say, well, Mark, isn't it pay it forward? No, I can't pay it forward. The car in front of me is already gone. So it literally and figuratively is paying it backward. And I I really believe that. We all have 24 hours in a day. How are we going to use those 24 hours? And I don't care where you are in the world, what your gender is, what your age is, what your race is. Everyone has the same 24 hours. It's a gift each day. How are we going to use our gift to help others along their growth journey? And that may be a small gesture, but just think in your own mind, what can you do? It may not be paying for a cup of coffee for someone behind you in in a drive-through, but what can it be? And who might be in your path today that you could bless in some way that they would want to do likewise? So Amazing. So I'm happy that I asked you, because it was really practical to understand what does it mean, making an impact in small things, but it resonates so big and go do so much good. Ripple effect. Yes. So Mark. I love it. Thank you for spreading love and uh, kindness. I think that's amazing. And for giving our examples. Mark, I can continue for hours, but we need to wrap up. So I want to ask you, where can our listeners find you? Find your book, find you. Yes. Well, first of all, I appreciate the opportunity to come on with you, Karen. I've enjoyed our conversation very much. And I hope your listeners uh, derive some value from this uh, conversation. And I'd love to keep it going. So I'm on LinkedIn, as you know, we're connected. Um, That's a great way to connect with me because I would also like to learn from you. And so that's how I grow. I don't, it's not a one-way top-down monologue. For me, it's two-way interactive dialogue. So uh, connect with me and follow me and I'll do likewise on LinkedIn. But really important to get your growth journey started, go to my website, which is markamears.com. And there you will find, um, right there on the homepage, a purposeful growth self-assessment. It's a survey tool that'll take you about five to six minutes to fill out. And when you're done, you can download immediately a customized report in a PDF that will come straight to you. And it will tell you, kind of provide a benchmark of where you stand on the idea of purposeful growth. And then it'll also uh, give you a chance to see how your company is aligned and provides the type of resources that will support your purposeful growth journey and also ways you can maybe give back in the world. And so you'll receive that PDF, you'll get your scores, and then you'll also get what I call seeds for growth, which are um, tips and tools that I provide after each question. And so that's a way for you to get started on your growth journey. I'm available for keynote speeches, Um, consulting, and I'm also working on a pretty cool online e-learning course on how you can put together your own purposeful growth plan and meld your purpose in life and work. So I look forward to connecting with your listeners and uh, the book's available on Amazon and um, would love to keep this dialogue going. Great, Mark. Thank you very much for sharing your wisdom and 
secrets thingy at Danny the Void. My pleasure, Karen. Hope you enjoyed our conversation. You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.